Welcome to The Future of What. I'm your host, Portia Sabin, president of the Music Business Association. At Music Biz, we decided that continuing to provide a forum for our community to come together and support each other was the most important thing we could do right now. So we started a Zoom chat series called Music Biz Live. Today's episode is the audio from my chat with members of the Music Biz Board, who represent a range of perspectives in the industry. Many things are still uncertain, but one thing's for sure, we're all in this together. As always, support for the future of what comes from Merch Table. With over 15 years of experience in merchandising, screen printing, tour support, and online fulfillment, Merch Table partners with artists and labels looking to jumpstart their business. Visit merchtable.com to learn more and open a store today. On today's episode, we talk to some of the Music Biz board members about how they're handling the COVID crisis and where we go from here. It's all coming up on The Future of What. Can I have a taste of your ice cream? Can I lick the crumbs from your table? Can I interfere in your crisis? No, mind your own business. No, mind your own business. Support for The Future of What comes from SoundExchange, which provides royalty solutions and advocacy to ensure all music creators are paid what they are owed. You're listening to The Future of What. I'm talking to Molly Newman of Song Trust, Cameo Carlson of M Theory Nashville, Lauren Wurzer Seawood of United Masters, Louis Posen of Hopeless Records, and Sarah Robertson of A to Z Media. So I thought I would start off by basically asking everybody to just sort of fill us in a little bit on their individual sector and what's going on. So Louis, let me get started with you. You run an independent label. Labels are just as hard hit in terms of this crisis as any other small business, because many indie labels are small businesses. So do you want to tell us what you've been seeing in your sector? Well, with independent labels, I think each one probably has a little bit different situation. The physical business, so if a a big part of your business is, is vinyl and CD and people going into stores to buy those, that's been hit very hard. Ours has been down about 70% on the physical side. On the digital side, although you would think streaming may increase, and I think it is for some, depending on what style of music that they're releasing, ours is down about 20% worldwide and different in different countries. And it's interesting to watch how each country is reacting differently based on where they are in the pandemic and whether they're on their way up or on their way down. You know, the biggest thing is really the health of our artists. You know, most of our artists depend on live performances and touring for their income and you know that's gone to zero so well i shouldn't say zero a lot of them are doing online stuff that includes revenue-based live performances but it's gone from a healthy business to a very small business and so big focus of ours has been on making sure those artists stay healthy can survive during this period and you know the first thing we did was within the first week was give relief to each of our artists, uh, including, you know, $500 per member to make sure that at least they could immediately take care of their groceries and rent and things like that before government funding and other industry funding came out. That's great. Cameo, you work with artists too. Do you want to talk a little bit about what you've seen? Yeah. I mean, I think as it is for everyone, it's just ever changing for us. We work in the management services space. And so we're really here to help prop up managers. And primarily that looks like marketing and strategy. And so I think 
you know, the place that we're in right now, every one of our clients comes at it. You know, it's interesting. The managers are coming at it, mostly reflecting how their artists are feeling about things. And so the artists are a little all over the map on whether they're like feeling uber creative right now because they're in a space where they've got some time to work with each other or, you know, to explore virtual options. And then we've got some that are really, you know, this is debilitating not to have that touch that we're so used to, you know, as with an audience and, and they're more, you know, stay in the underground bunker and don't come out. So it's a little all over the map. I think for us, we've been trying to figure out since our primarily we're working on the marketing and the strategy is what is the strategy and what can you market right now? And at what point does that feel gross or that we're asking for money at a time when people are financially unstable? You know, it varies depending on the size of the artist. It varies depending on where they are. I think there's a a lot of things. And for us, the way that we could focus in the early part over the last few weeks was making sure that we were diving in as heavily as possible on the research side to give all of our manager clients as much of the SBA, PPP information that we could to try and clean up those processes, to try and make sure that they had links to the varying different programs all over the place because so many organizations have stepped up. So that was a place that we felt like we could kind of use all of that strategy and marketing and clean things up. And now we're more in the place of, okay, we're obviously in this for a while. To Lewis's point, we are a live business and our entire industry flipped upside down inside of you know seven to 10 days. And trying to figure out what that new normal can look like and what marketing looks like and how we focus on whether we put out new music and and that kind of stuff. That's really sort of the place I think that we're in at the moment. Sarah, I'm really interested to talk to you about this because you are in a very different sector. You're sort of in the manufacturing part of this, which of course, as everyone knows, you know, with the closure of indie retail is probably taking a pretty big hit. So can you tell us what's going on with you guys? Yes. And just to be clear, we deal with the physical manufacturing and printing for labels. So echoing what Lewis is saying is the healthiness of our industry is directly linked to the health of our clients. So it's a whole chain, how we get impacted. From the supply chain point of view, we've been pretty lucky. We're agile as a company and we have a lot of vendors that we work with. So our supply chain is pretty much open for what we need to do for our clients. Domestically in the US, there are a lot of closures within plants, but there are still some plants that are open. So it's a changing thing on a daily, sometimes hourly basis. But getting the products done and manufactured for the most part hasn't been the issue. It's being able to deliver them and for orders coming in, you know, to continue the workflow. Definitely. Are you finding some creativity happening out there? I mean, are there artists, I mean, is everyone still sort of shell-shocked and not doing anything? Or are there artists out there and labels that are like, we have a you know great idea? I think that doing this for as many years as I have and the you know incredible, creative, talented clients that we have, you know, they've always been kind of scrappy. I think that, you know, these are uncharted territories, but people are coming up with ideas, whether it's short-term ideas of having limited runs that they're going to run to sell on their DTC through stores or coming up with merch ideas that they're going to be, you know, trying to sell. You know, the labels, independent music industry has always known their fans really well. You know, the artists, they reach out to their fans. And I think this is no different. We're just seeing people being more creative and we're the part of trying to help them, you know, monetize that in a physical product. And that's what we're trying to do and trying to 
you know, help our clients do. So, you know, the ubiquitous sort of face masks that you're seeing everywhere, sure, we're doing that. And I think it'll be interesting to see how that plays out maybe with live shows that, you know, that may become a whole part of it. But we're also doing puzzles. We're doing cute things people are doing for their workforce that are staying at home, you know, whether it's a mug or, you know, a notebook or something like that. So that side is still there. And every day people are coming up with, you know, ideas of what they can do to the either the label to connect with people or the artists to connect with their fans, you know, a limited flexi or, you know, a doll or, I mean, like crazy things. I think that that's where the independent music does really well. They know who they're dealing with and they know how to talk to them. And it's just adapting in this kind of crazy times to, you know, with new ideas. I love the creativity that's coming out of this. I mean, every time we do one of these, I'm looking for silver linings. And I feel like that's really one that I've seen is just so much, just an explosion of creative ideas. Molly, you are in a very different sector. You're in publishing. So can you tell us a little bit about what's going on with you guys? Yeah, I mean, in publishing, our sort of lag time between activity and receiving the revenue from the activity is pretty significant. So our 2020 numbers are very much influenced by what we were able to do in last year. And now we really have to recalibrate what we're thinking about for the future. But because our company is also has distribution companies, CD Baby, Dashgo, Fuga, we also are sort of, you know, have some visibility into some of the activity that's taking place. And, and we see that there are, because in all likelihood, you know, the assumption is people are at home making music that there are people releasing great quantities of music right now and, you know, looking for ways to make sure that they're covering all of their royalty sources, like their publishing revenue. So, you know, that has been an interesting thing to observe. But in terms of long-term assumptions about what it means, I think we're very cautious knowing that there's so much unknown about what's happening at the moment and what that will mean for us as an individual business and obviously for our industry at large. But we've always kind of operated in a bit of a digital virtual way, trying to explain global music publishing administration, which is a very dense topic. (laughs) So we've been doing webinars and things like that for a couple of years and have learned a lot over the course of the past two years. We had one today, which was our best attended. So we, we assume that like with the music business association webinars and and others, people are sort of taking the time to get informed and understand. And there's a little bit of that sort of virtual networking, I guess, that's happening simultaneously that our digital lives can support. So that's an interesting silver lining, I suppose, if we believe in empowering people to understand our industry in a more detailed way, they're taking the time to do that. That's one of the things that we're, we're seeing. Yeah, it's, it's pretty exciting. And we're trying to keep our team connected and, you know, making sure that uh, across the, the globe, everybody is as well positioned to be at home alone and be online together and all of the things that we're trying to do to, to kind of navigate this time. Totally. Lauren, how about you? How's it going for you? Yeah, I mean, it's it's just been horrible seeing how this pandemic has impacted the industry on so many levels, the live business, the physical business, just, you know, forcing everybody to work in a different way. I think what has been most inspiring to me is just seeing how many creative people have been using this time to make new music 
on the United Masters platform, where you know we're, we're focused on digital distribution, we are seeing you know massive increases in the number of products that are being submitted through our system week over week. We've grown you know more than a hundred percent. And it continues to go higher and higher. Every day, we're seeing a higher number of submissions than the day prior. And that trajectory continues to rise. And I think that's just a result of, you know, people who, I think to Molly's point, they now have time that they may not have invested in before to really be creative, to put some effort behind the content they want to create and, you know, use, use platforms like United Masters to get their music out. So it's been really interesting to see how these changes have impacted the ability for independent artists to just make music as much as possible. Absolutely. I'm in love with the world through the eyes of a girl who's still around the morning after. We broke up a month ago and I grew up. I didn't know I'd be around the morning after. Been wait and see a happy day, and then you pay and feel like shit the morning after. But now I feel changed around, and instead of falling down, I'm standing up the morning after. Situations get fucked up and turned around. To the rule, you tell me the morning after. Cricket spin can't come to rest. I'm damaged, bad at best. She'll decide what she wants. I'll probably be the last to know. No one says until it shows. See how it. was Say Yes by Elliot Smith. If you're enjoying this program, please subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to the newsletter to find out what's coming up next. You're listening to The Future of What. I'm talking to Molly Newman of Song Trust, Cameo Carlson of M Theory Nashville, Lauren Wurzer Seawood of United Masters, Louis Posen of Hopeless Records, and Sarah Robertson of A to Z Media. I just want to throw a general question out to everyone. What do you guys think about the live stream trend now that we're seeing? Because I feel like it's it's really an exciting thing. At first, when it was like, oh, well, clearly artists are now going to have to take their shows to you know the virtual world. I was like, oh, yeah, I don't want to watch that. But I've watched a couple and I was blown away. And I was like, oh my God, we're getting back to that live experience, that like personal connection experience. 
it's kind of like the promise of the internet from the very beginning. What do you guys think about? Have you watched any live shows? I feel like I can't not watch them. They are all over my feet on, you know, every social media platform. I think it's amazing. Personally, for me, living and breathing in the independent artist community right now, I find it fascinating that independents now have the exact same tools that major artists have. Nobody has an advantage anymore when it comes to figuring out how to connect to your artists. And you kind of see how different artists are using those tools in different kinds of ways. They're being creative. They're, you know, upping the ante in terms of frequency. They're trying different things. And to me, it's just, it's really exciting. I think that there's a lot of content to get through. So sometimes it's a little bit of overkill for a fan to go through all of the Instagram lives or, you know, Zoom concerts and figure out what's what. But the reality is, is that all of us have a lot more time on our hands than we ever used to. So I'd rather have that problem. I think it depends on the artists too. It's like any social platform. Artists use it better than others. I think what's interesting is that some of them you can tell are an expression of the artist needing to do something creative. It may or may not even make sense or connect with their fans in a way that they're thinking of in, in replacing, for instance, like a live experience. Some of them are really doing it to make that connection, have those conversations. And I love how many artists at all different levels are doing this and really trying to connect with fans. And I, I just, I love watching it. We have artists that are doing it very regularly, right? Like they've created a series out of it. And I hope that some of these things stick long after this happens. I think what's really fascinating for me to watch, because we have, again, clients all over the map on this, is what that monetization looks like for artists. You know, no matter how big an artist is or you think an artist is, the truth of everyone that works in the industry knows this, that consumers don't, is you have no way of knowing what their personal finances look like in a situation like this, right? And I think that it's a tough place for some artists to ask for money, to ask fans to participate. There's so many landmines in that right now that I think what's fascinating to me is who's monetizing it in a way that feels right? What does that look like after we get past this? Because so much of the traffic right now is really that like immediate impulse Instagram kind of thing, as opposed to the more thought out. And I think what we're going to see is that live stream will hit that maturation that we've been waiting for, but in a way where it's the quality that sort of takes you into a different place where maybe you're willing to give up some money or some kind of access that an artist gives. It's fascinating to watch, but it is all over the map on whether or not they're using it in the right way, I think. Yeah, well, we've seen lots of opportunities for artists online. One of the nice things is that this is forcing artists to look at their relationship with fans in a different way. And people are trying all kinds of different things. Some are working, some aren't. And it's in a phase now of trying oversaturation. And what's going to come out on the end is the stuff that's really good. And that will create new models both in live streaming, we're seeing that in digital fan clubs, you know, seeing it in video game, Twitch type playing. So there's a lot of different areas in which artists are connecting with their fans. It's just which ones are going to stand out? Which ones are going to do it in a way that are different than everybody else? Who's found the right monetization model was just described. So all those things are still working themselves through and we're trying to support our artists and help them try these different things. We are noticing for sure the more consistent ones, the ones that do things on a regular basis that can build something are doing better than the ones that do like a one-off thing. You know, the One World thing did great because it had worldwide media attention, but 
you know, these more niche artists are going to have a hard time with, oh, we're going to do one live performance. That doesn't seem to be that effective. But if they're going to do something every Wednesday and bringing in guests, you know, that join them to do something and it's compelling and maybe at first it doesn't cost anything or maybe you start subscribing and it costs something. So there's a lot of opportunity here. It's just a matter of finding the right models and having the artists do things that are compelling and work. I would love to know, Molly, what you're seeing and feeling about this. Because I will say that one of the things that I think is going to come out of this and or a frustration that some artists are feeling is not understanding the publishing pieces around live streaming and archiving and all of that, which is which proving to be a, a real challenge, I think, in trying to connect with fans. Obviously, the different platforms that people use have different licensing schemes and there's schemes with the PROs and with the publishers directly and with statutory licenses. And there's a whole sort of plethora of confusion that I don't want to speak out of turn and get it wrong. But, you know, we did observe today, for example, with Spotify adding sort of like the tip jar where you're able to send money directly to artists. One of my colleagues pointed out that this is great, but then the songwriters are not participating directly in that flow And what does that look like? So I think those are all sort of things that we'll have to get a bit more. There's a bit more urgency around in terms of some of the licensing fundamentals that we're dealing with and some of these sort of lovely workarounds that people are trying to create. I was like, I've always been confused by the visibility of Venmo and sort of being able to see that Portia paid her babysitter or whatever it is. But uh, singer-songwriter Jill Sobule is doing... I think daily, if not, you know, hourly, sometimes probably live streams and gives everybody her Venmo. And, you know, you see the support that she's getting from her fans directly in that feed. And it's really tremendous. And I'm sure that there's lots of replications of that with whichever different path the client chooses or the, the artist chooses. I think Twitch has obviously their direct monetization scheme there and they have lots of options. So it's interesting to think about, yeah, wanting to support this sort of moment of new activity and and tremendous sort of goodwill. And then on the core business that we're we're living in, how things are going to be, there's no statutory license for live streaming in the same way. So, you know, everything has to be thought through. Obviously, this is completely different for me, but it's the monetization. What do we need to do now to get us through the period where people need the money or need the help, whether it's the artists or the independent record store, which I think is really suffering here. How do we get through this with whether it's donations? But that's not sustainable. So it's really what's the next step as we're looking forward? What will this turn into? You know, I think the live streaming is still going to be a part of it, but how do we sustain that to the new normal or what have we learned from this that makes us better coming out of it? I think that everybody here is running businesses and we're all looking, how do we come out of this more resilient, you know, more creative, both internally as businesses and externally support our clients or artists or whoever it is that we're dealing with? You know, it's sustainable. I mean, how do we sustain this monetization of live streaming? Lewis, do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, I think your artists and the way your label has been set up with subsidy as a foundation that donates money I feel like you have always been really focused on giving back in the world of your artists. Do you want to talk a little bit about what you're seeing? Because I mean, I think it's probably more in your wheelhouse than necessarily everyone else's, but it's like everyone's now going to get on the Lewis ship. We hope. 
Thanks for the nice words. So on the hopeless side, I'll talk about subsidy, the nonprofit. So on the hopeless side, what everyone's saying is true. You know, how do you monetize this online activity in a way which is respectful of the rights holders? How do you do it so it's sustainable past the crisis? And we got to work through those things. We just have to have that dialogue that's open. You know, the this, this Spotify tip thing, we need to have an open dialogue with Spotify. How do we evolve this so that it's respectful of the rights holders, but also sustainable for the artists who need the money during a crisis? So those things need to be worked through. But the main issue there for me is communication on RM. You know, we have a lot of artists that are starting these digital fan clubs and they want to release music in them, which is, you know, which we have the rights to. So we're coming up with some simple email guidelines. Hey, you want to do this? Here's how you can do it, where it's a win-win for everybody. If everyone approaches it like that with who they work with, it will create that infrastructure that it's not a wild west. It's getting everybody what they need during this time, but keeping it clear who owns what and who's getting what. On the subsidy side, I mean, we've always felt like we all of us, not just hopeless, but all of us in this industry have an ability to connect what we do to a bigger purpose. And for us, this crisis is no different than any other issue going on in the world. I mean, before this, we're very focused on mental health and suicide prevention, which is only heightened now with everyone being home and the things they're dealing with in isolation. But we're trying to do as as much as we can. Right now, we're partnering with the 320 Festival. That's going to be May 8th to 11th. They're going to incorporate songs that save my life and encourage people to talk about the songs that got them through a tough time, encourage artists to cover the songs that got them through a tough time. And anything that we release, we you know donate proceeds from that to mental health and suicide prevention charities. That project's over $50,000 donated so far. And then one of our artists, believe it or not, they had came in under budget on their record and decided they want to make a difference with that money. So partnering with Subsidy, they're going to launch a, like a telethon starting on Monday for No Kid Hungry. It's going to start on Monday. They're going to donate first $1,000 from the recording budget and get other people involved, including us matching. And so stuff like that is things that we're doing to have this situation turn into a positive for people. Drink up, baby, stay up all night With the things you could do You won't, but you might The potential you'll be That you'll never see Drink up. 
That was Between the Bars by Elliot Smith. You're listening to The Future of What. After the show, take a moment to leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. It helps people find the show, and we love hearing from you. Also, check out our short podcast series about Bratmobile's potty mouth. It's called Girl Germs, and you can get it wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to The Future of What. I'm talking to Molly Newman of Song Trust, Cameo Carlson of M Theory Nashville, Lauren Wurzer-Seawood of United Masters, Louis Posen of Hopeless Records, and Sarah Robertson of A to Z Media. So everybody here is a boss. We all have employees. And I think, you know, we brought this up at the beginning of the call that, you know, it's like we were all talking to each other from our homes. These Zoom meetings are now suddenly a huge part of everybody's day. What do you guys see as the new normal moving forward? Like, you know, you guys all have employees if suddenly the country is opening up in two weeks or whatever's happening, supposedly, you know, how many of you guys are going to have people actually go back into offices? You know, how, how are we going to do this? We've had a lot of conversation about how to actually move forward. Everybody has, you know, different needs at home. For those of us with kids, school's closed. We're not going back to work anytime soon if we still have children at home. So we've got to think about what that means for the company overall. If things did open up in a few weeks, which definitively will not happen, but if it did, you know, we would probably see a staggered schedule. So we would phase some people in and others out. So you have like a group of folks going in maybe Tuesday, Thursday, and then Monday, Wednesday. And, but, you know, really only asking people to come in if they absolutely think it's necessary. I know that I have many folks that take public transportation who will not want to do that. And that is fine. For me, it's been, it's just been incredible to watch everybody, you know, be completely like bought into the concept of working from home. My team has, you know, come through 110% every single day, not missed a beat is, you know, continues to stay sort of positive and focused. And I think for me, it's been really eye-opening to just sort of accept the fact that like working remote is possible. And, you know, I could see our team doing this for a long time if we had to. That being said, I think there's just a lot of considerations as to what reopens when and how. Yeah, we similarly, being in New York, where the public transportation is such a fact of life and density is, you know, why it's such a a challenge here. We're similarly looking at, without a timeline, what a reentry would look like with probably squads of, you know, different parts of the team coming in on different days and reducing our in-office density when and if people felt safe. And then, you know, other kinds of procedures around how we would welcome guests. And one conversation we had this week was, of course, as you mentioned earlier, the sort of silver lining, you know, where we could look at what what is our carbon footprint reduction or our general sort of packaging and processes reduction that we can have to try to reduce any kind of carrying of or exposure or acceleration, whether it's this or something else in the future, there's no decisions and there's no policies or procedures made yet, but we're looking at that kind of conversation, trying to think ahead. I suspect we're going to see it staggered too. We have offices in LA and New York and I'm in Nashville. And so some of it too, I think is the very different nature of both the transit to work as well as the physical space that we're in. So to Lauren and Molly's point, we definitely don't have any policy yet. 
in the Nashville office feel very strongly that our, although our governor has said that we can go back to work on Monday, that we will not be in the office anytime soon. But I think for us, it's a personal safety thing, first and foremost, right? Everybody also has a very different situation at home that they're dealing with. So even though I might be able to go in and there might be enough space, I have a mother with an immune compromised system. So that's not happening anytime soon so that I don't bring something to her. And I think it's going to look different across our three offices, honestly. We've got one office that is a shared situation, so we don't have control over the other people that are there. We've got one that is a very wholly owned building that probably on its own will be able to go back maybe a little bit sooner, depending on every individual's situation. It's funny because I think we are data nerds at our core, so I think most of my team is pretty damn happy about this, frankly, right now and is fine working from home. I think it's more about that community piece with our manager clients and being able to sit with them and calm them and and have these conversations that are fine by phone, but there's a, there's a piece that's missing in all of that too. And I think it's also just calming to see the world go, start to go back to normal for them because then it means we're one step closer to live, which I think is really the number one concern of all of our clients right now. Echoing what everybody's been saying, it's really an individual basis. I mean, I think for my staff in Portland that could maybe walk or cycle to work to people in New York that have to go on the subway, it's a very different scenario. You know, the upside is I was always very anti-work from home. I never wanted anybody working from home. I wanted people in the office. I wanted to see them. And after six weeks of doing this, I'm amazed. I mean, it works. And I think if we don't go back till September, we'll be fine. You know, everybody, as everybody said, people have stepped up. People want to make this work. And that's the, you know, the silver lining of all of this, these new things. So we will be different as a company, I think, going forward, regardless. We will look at different ways and being sensitive to what everybody's individual needs are. But I certainly think New York is going to be looking very, very different for a long time. And none of us know what the fall's going to look like. I mean, on the news today, they were saying it's going to be worse come, you know, the winter or the fall. And we're better prepared now. And I think we need to be thoughtful about how do we put this back together in case we have to, you know, go back. I mean, it's not going to be everybody rushing straight, you know, everybody back in the office. It's going to be very staged and slow and thoughtful. And as Cameo said, it's like even people coming in, we have a lot of clients coming into our office to meet to talk about packaging and what they're going to do. How's that going to look like? You know, you're talking about physically holding things and sharing samples and stuff. I think we're going to be using new techniques moving forward. I keep thinking that maybe this is going to lead to us having lower overhead somehow. You know, we're going to maybe have to have less office space in the long run. I just feel sorry for Molly because you guys just moved into that beautiful new building. (laughs) We can't complain. There's so much for us to be in touch with and, and grateful for right now. A couple of you have talked about, you know, that I think, Lewis, you mentioned the health of your artists and, you know, sort of like their overall health in, in their business and then their their physical health and all of us, you know, are being able to be here right now. It is true that more than ever, you sort of have a, a clarity of everything that we have to be grateful for. And I'm here in Brooklyn in the space that we have and, and we're healthy. And that's some of our team have, you know, gone through unspeakable, unthinkable loss already. And one of the things that, you know, trying to support the teams that are all in different places and different stages of life, how they're managing 
as you mentioned, also Lewis has heard of solitude that many people are. So some people are have the extreme with homeschooling and working and all of the things. And then some people are, are at home and don't have to go through other people's rooms to get outside and just art. There's a lot of extreme difference of experience that we're all trying to sort through. So as a company, we're trying to be mindful of that where we can. I'm sure we're not getting it 100% right, but trying to you know support all of these different needs. I think there is some business efficiency to come out of this too, right? Like on the polar opposite end of the human piece of this that we're all dealing with and being sensitive to is that the joke always is that you just sat through a meeting that could have been an email. And I think right now we are living that life. And I think there are some efficiencies for my company that will come out of this where it's very obvious how we need to structure certain things and that the way we've maybe done it in the past doesn't always need to be that way, both from a time efficiency and even a cost perspective. You know, I mean, we're a social business. We do a lot of lunches and particularly in Nashville, there's lots of meals and drinks and I miss that. Don't get me wrong. I will be all about the drinks and the meals when we get out of this. But I do think there's sort of a piece of that that's maybe a little over the top when I'm really, really thinking about what's important. And right now, there's nothing more important than the people in my team. And I think there's some efficiencies that could make sure that that's never a question again that we'll be implementing, I'm sure. I think for me, it's really been interesting because I think that in this business, you have the personal and the impersonal can sometimes get kind of blurry. And I do love it lately that these Zoom meetings are forcing us to look into each other's homes. And you guys are all like, oh my God, Portia, you had a hair and makeup team. Like, nice job. It's like, I just spent an hour doing my hair so that I would look decent for this, you know, 45 minutes. But it's like, hey, give me something to do, right? <laughs> but no, seriously, it's like we get to connect. It's different than just a phone call and, you know, everybody being businesslike and I'm in the office and I don't know. I I think it sort of shifts us all to be a little bit more compassionate and human, which I think is probably a good thing for this business in the long run. Keep your things in a place meant to hide. I know they're there somewhere, and I know that's where you'll go tonight. I'll be thrown up. The white lady loves you more Need a metal man just to pick up your feet It's a long time since you cared enough for me And I'm tired of playing it down You just want her to do anything to you There ain't nothing that you won't allow You wake up in the middle of the night From a dream you remember flashing on like a car 
white lady loves you more. White lady. That was The White Lady Loves You More by Elliot Smith. If you're enjoying this program, please subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to the newsletter to find out what's coming up next. You're listening to The Future of What. I'm talking to Molly Newman of Song Trust, Cameo Carlson of M Theory Nashville, Lauren Wurzer Seawood of United Masters, Louis Posen of Hopeless Records, and Sarah Robertson of A to Z Media. So we're getting close to the end here. I just wanted to go through and have everybody sort of give a quick best practices, even if it's just like, you know, call a friend and get a 30 minute mental health break, you know, anything. Lewis, do you want to start us off? I think it's been mentioned every individual is different. And I think we need to respect that. And we need to remember that when we're dealing with our teams, our partners, our artists, everyone's different and and needs to be handled in in a different way. I also think, as we've been talking about, a crisis like this lets us reflect on what's important and meaningful in in our businesses and in our life, and we should focus on those things. And on a personal level, I try to keep my routine exactly the same as it was before. This has actually been an upgrade because I don't have a window in my office, and now I've got a window. So that's been good. But I keep everything routine. I don't watch the news during the day. Really, there's no crisis for me personally until 6.30 hits and I watch some news or something or I talk to my wife or daughter. But I'm in a unique position that, you know, I've been dealing with adapting my life, my whole adult life as I've been losing my eyesight. And so for me, adapting to change is part of my day-to-day life. And so it's a little easier for me. And I have to remember that because it's very difficult for a lot of people and I can't get impatient with them because they haven't been going through the same thing I've been going through. Definitely. Cameo. Lou said it really well, but I think for me, it's really about checking expectations and trying to be in the place that whoever you're dealing with is in. You know, I mean, it's, it's weird because we are an industry that is always looking to aspire to be the anomaly, right? It's like this thing did really well and we all want to do that thing and chase that thing. And so if you're seeing something that's working well, or there's one of the monetization things that, you know, because it worked, Erica Badu has had great success and everyone reads that article and then they're like, oh my God, we're doing everything wrong. There is no best practice right now. I think that's the most important thing. I think it's it's a roller coaster. I think you have to be okay with wherever your head's at. I mean, even we were all saying when we met earlier is that even asking the, hey, how are you, which we all do as a routine it's a loaded question. It depends on the hour or the minute or the day. And I think you just have to really check where you are in that place and be okay with it, where your artists are in that place, where anyone else that you're dealing with in the industry is because we're just, we're all over the place and there's no right right now. So I think we have to be just, you know, sort of checking that a little bit. Sarah? I mean, I think that, you know, and I'm normally very positive and I, the positive things on this or best practice is to really for us and for you know my team, I think your troubleshooting skills have been taken to a new level, trying to solve some of the logistical problems that have come across. And there's always an answer if you want to look hard enough, I think, in trying to solve some of these things. So I think that's been a positive thing. 
on that point and a learning thing for everybody. And on a personal side, I've been really touched with how many people have reached out, people I may not have spoken to for years. My graduating class from high school is having a reunion on Friday, and it's the first time I've ever been able to go because it's in England, so I'm going to zoom in. And people like that, I think it's really touching to see clients, friends, random people reaching out and making a connection, and I just see it every single day that happening. And I think that's kind of special, really. Molly? I think all of the things that have been shared so far, I feel very connected to as well. And I also appreciate the sort of at at our company and across our team, the people are being honest about how they are and what they're feeling. And when they have a day that they need to sort of say, I'm taking a personal day, this is just not a good one. I woke up yesterday and in the middle of the school at home session while I was also simultaneously trying to, you know, organize my thoughts about what I needed to do for work. I just like, this sucks. I can't, you know, that I'm, this is a hard one. You can't do everything to the standard that you might have for everything as well as you always did. And so we do have to shift our mindset and allow ourselves that space to figure it out as we go along. I think as, you know, everybody here is, is leading a company or organization, I think that's an okay thing to share that, you know, we're all equally challenged as someone who just graduated college with how to navigate this. And that will be, will make us all hopefully stronger as a unit. Lauren? You know, for artists, particularly artists in the independent community, just to build a little bit on, on what Cameo was saying, like, we've never been through this before. None of us have lived through a period of time like this before. There is no wrong out there. I see a lot of people in the chat right now and on Q&A asking questions like, how do I build an audience? When is the right time to go live? The answer is we probably don't know, but you just have to try it. You have to take advantage of the moments that you have when you feel inspired or creative. You have to just try new things to build an audience. If you feel like and make a website and go live like Erica Badu did, sure, give it a go. But if you don't have those available resources, there's countless other ways for you to execute something similar. It's all about just trying to figure out how to take advantage of the time you had and feel good about doing it. I think like everybody else is saying, it's we're all in this place right now where we want to make sure that we're mentally healthy. We want to make sure that our artists and our artist communities are mentally healthy and feeling safe and supported in the best way that we know how. And it's all about figuring out how to do that on a regular basis. I think, you know, for me, I I spend all day, every day doing as much as I can. And sometimes it's a lot because like Molly, like sometimes I'm stuck at home trying to remote school learn a fourth grader who's like having a tantrum. Well, that's going to cut into my day a little bit, but that's okay because we're going to figure out how to get through it. And I think the same goes for artists. Like you're going to figure things out and then some days you're going to stumble. Other days you're going to pick back up, but you got to keep going. And I think that's just the, the most important sort of reminder that I talk to my, my team about all the time. You just have to keep going because we're all going to make it through on the other side. So I think we can leave it there. And I think the message that we've taken away here today is that the Music Biz Board is the best. You guys are awesome. You've definitely been the best part of my day. So thank you so much for hanging out with me and doing this. And everybody appreciates it. I know from all the comments in the box that people are enjoying this. So thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day. And that's our show. The music we played today was used by permission. 
You heard Elliot Smith and, of course, our theme song, Mind Your Own Business by the Delta Five. Subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. For more info on our shows, check out our website at thefutureofwhatshow.com and sign up for our newsletter. Our program was recorded via Zoom and in my closet and is produced by Will Watts. I'm Portia Sabin, president of the Music Business Association. Stay safe, wash your hands, and I'll see you next week.